0: Al podcast.
1: Peace talks between Saudi officials and Iranian backed Houthi representatives in Yemen after hundreds of thousands killed and a humanitarian catastrophe. Could this be the breakthrough to end years of war? And what would a settlement mean for the region? I'm Fully Batibo, and you're listening to the Inside Story podcast, where we dissect, analyze, and help define major global stories. Let's bring in our guests now for today's Inside Story. In Doha is Ibrahim Frehat, Associate Professor in International Conflict Resolution at the Doha Institute for Graduate Studies and author of Iran and Saudi Arabia, Taming the Chaotic Conflict. In Stockholm is Afra Nasser, non-resident fellow at the Arab Center, Washington, D.C., and a specialist on humanitarian and human rights issues in Yemen. And in Washington, D.C., Trita Parsi, executive vice president of the Quincy Institute for Responsible Statecraft, an American think tank. He's also the author of Losing an Enemy, Obama, Iran, and the Triumph of Diplomacy. Thank you all for joining us on Inside Story. It's great to have you with us. Ibrahim, let me start with you. There have been contacts between the warring sides before, but how significant is this latest round of talks in Sana'a? Are you hopeful that there could be a breakthrough to end this conflict?
2: Uh, thank you for having me. Uh, this is not the first time where uh, talks happened between Saudi Arabia and Houthis, and even there were uh, Saudis who visited Sana'a before, but not to this level. I think this is the first time we're seeing uh, uh, high representations on this level uh, from Saudi Arabia, uh, accompanied by Omani mediators. Uh, so this is new uh, that we're having, which is a good signal that's given us. Uh, Second, this comes right one month after the the agreement signed between Iran and Saudi Arabia in China with the China mediation, uh, which we predicted uh, during that time uh, a month ago on this show and inside the story after the signing of the agreement, that that the agreement would lead to uh, tension reduction in the region because uh, in the, the region has uh, seen uh, several uh, proxy wars uh, supported by Iran and Saudi Arabia in Yemen uh, uh, Lebanon Syria Iraq and the agreement between iran and saudi arabia would reflect itself on the tension reduction in the region we are we have seen uh, already a saudi attempt to invite uh, the uh, the syrian regime right. to the next uh, arab league meeting now we have seen in see... yemen this is yeah but but ibrahim do
1: you, do you positive steps as you say but do you think it could lead to lasting peace in yemen
2: Uh, We know that uh, this is uh, very likely to lead to uh, tension reduction in the region. But I do not think that we should be over-optimistic that this is going to solve all Yemen problems because the conflict in Yemen has domestic factors uh, in, in Yemen. It's not, all the made, uh, it's not all made by or supported by Iran and Saudi Arabia. There are domestic reasons These the Yemenis have to deal with this. But yes, Iran and mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia's involvement and the proxy wars that we've seen in the past uh, years uh, has exacerbated the domestic factors. Uh, okay. between uh, the yemeni factions themselves the Houthis is okay. refusing power sharing so far the other uh, yemeni political parties are excluded from the political process so these uh, th- le- while we'll this would be attention yeah it, Ibrahim,
1: the i'm sorry will to interrupt Sorry to interrupt you. We'll talk about the other actors in this conflict in a little while and the complicated aspect of that as well. But let me come to uh, Trita in Washington, D.C. and ask you your thoughts, Trita. Ibrahim says, let's not be over-optimistic. What are your thoughts? Do you think we are on the verge of a breakthrough here in this conflict?
3: Well, I certainly hope that we are on the verge of a breakthrough, but I think the caution that Mr. Ibrahim uh, put forward is very much warranted. At the end of the day, the Yemeni conflict originally was... Uh, an internal civil war, unfortunately, both Iran and Saudi Arabia and the UAE exasperated the situation, poured more weapons into the conflict, made it much bloodier. Uh, The the, uh, blockade has killed uh, a a majority of the people in the last year, uh, and it's made it worse. If the Iranians and the Saudis pull out, if they no longer compete with each other in Yemen through that civil war, At a minimum, that element will be gone, but it will not automatically resolve the conflict in and of itself. It will remain, um, uh, tensions will remain, but it will make it easier to resolve it. One other fact that is important to understand here, most civil wars simply cannot drag on for more than a year unless foreign elements get involved. When foreign elements get involved, pour more weapons and resources into the conflict, That's when civil wars tend to go on for years and years and be more sustainable. So the withdrawal of that, uh, those resources and those weapons from Iran and Saudi Arabia and hopefully from the UAE uh, at a minimum will dry up some of that energy into that war and hopefully help bring it to an end. But it's not an automatic solution.
1: All right, Afra, let me come to you as a Yemeni. How hopeful are you about an eventual end to this conflict?
0: Um as a Yemeni I really have mixed feelings. Uh, and also as a researcher, I, I see mixed uh indications and conflicting indications uh that this is positive and and, and might be negative at the same time. So as Yemeni, uh, I, I would say that I've been getting so many messages from relatives and, and family members asking me, is this true? Is it true? Like the shake of hands between the Saudi ambassador and the uh, the uh, Houthi official al-Mashat, is that true or a fake news? Or And, and the question is, when will we see that image uh, of shaking hands between the Yemeni officials and Yemeni leaders themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, eight brutal years of conflict have devastated the lives of millions of civilians in Yemen. Um, The U.N. uh, once estimated that uh, the conflict had the deaths of nearly a quarter of a million people, although many Yemen experts uh, believe the death toll to be significantly uh, higher. So that made really people uh, inside Yemen really in disbelief uh, because of the, the 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 huge scale of death and pain and suffering, not being able to really believe that we are mm-hmm. uh, in, the, in, in the road to peace uh, building right. and peacemaking. So I think. Uh, uh, but as a researcher, I'm really, really concerned about having a fragile piece uh, at the expense of lasting and durable piece, which mm. requires more work than what we're seeing today.
1: All right, Afra. Very interesting that you talked about the handshake between the Houthi official and the the Saudi representative. And I'm going to come to you now, Ibrahim, and talk about the other actors. As Afra said, what about the Yemenis themselves? And there are other actors involved in this conflict, as we mentioned, the southern secessionists, for one. How do they fit into this process? And can you have a settlement to this conflict without involving all these different actors?
2: No, I don't think so. I don't think we can talk about a serious settlement of this conflict without the involvement of all other parties. And this is where the this is where, where when the problem started actually, uh, when uh, uh, when the uh, government in Yemen, the central government in Yemen, collapsed uh, with the beginning of this war and uh, the Houthi coup against the central government. The Houthis excluded all other parties. So there are, for example, leaders of the Islah Party who are still arrested by the Houthis. The Houthis refuse the power-sharing arrangements um, in order to uh, solve it with other problems. There are also the Transitional Council, uh, the the Iraq in the, in the southern uh, also part of, of Yemen, that they're mm-hmm. not part of any process that we are seeing today. Uh, what the 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 current Talks that we're seeing between Saudi Arabia and the Houthis—it's between between the Saudis and the Houthis—but that's not including uh, the other parties. Even the even the. Uh, what's called the uh, the central government, the Hadi government that used to be in power today, it's marginalized. It's not taking an active role in these negotiations. We are seeing Saudis and Omanis meeting with the Houthis negotiating, while the the government, Hadi government that was in power uh, before the war started, uh, they're not part of these negotiations. So, but what about uh, the Emiratis, this...
1: Ibrahim? Uh, What about the Emiratis in all this? I mean, they were part of the the Saudi-led coalition, of course, but there seems to be tensions between the Emirati and the Saudis. And the Emiratis, of course, we know back uh, fighters who are in control of Socotra Island, for example. Are the Emiratis on board with this process?
2: Well, uh, the Emiratis, they're supporting a militia in the south uh, Mm -hmm. that is uh, funded by the Emiratis and supported by them. And it's not part of any... Political talks, um, and they have their own uh, security, their own territories that they're in control of. Of this, Uh, so no, that's another challenge. Actually, where uh, even if it's solved between Saudi Arabia and the Houthis, you still need to talk to the Emirates and their militias. You still need to talk to the. Other political parties, Islah and the Ba'athists and uh, the other the other ones, and you need also to talk to the Hiraq, uh, right. uh in the southern part of Yemen, which is are all uh, excluded from uh, from any talks. Let alone, of course, Al Qaeda, that's against everyone, that's not right. part of any uh, talks and represents a major security threat to the entire Yemen. Uh,
1: Trita, your thoughts about this? The fact that you have various actors here, which makes peace complicated, right, which makes reaching peace complicated, especially when also you have divisions within the so-called Saudi-led coalition. How do you see that evolving and, and what do you think the calculus is in, in Riyadh and in Tehran right now? What's motivating this reconciliation, first of all, between uh, Riyadh and Tehran and also Saudi Arabia's desire to end its involvement in Yemen?
3: So on the first question of uh, the reconciliation inside a country, again, it's really important to recognize that this is unfortunately not the end of the conflict. It hopefully, it will be the end of the armed conflict, at least the one that is uh, uh, fueled by Saudi Arabia and Iran. But it is not an end of the conflict itself. It's going to be a very bumpy road to be able to get to a full reconciliation. But this is a first necessary step towards being able to start that process. In regards to Iran and Saudi Arabia, I think from the Saudi perspective, it's quite clear. Saudi Arabia recognizes that this was a huge mistake. Uh, They cannot win this, that they have fought uh, the Houthis, the Iranians, and only made Saudi security worse. And in order to achieve the 2030 vision that uh, the Saudi Crown Prince has, he needs to reconcile uh, with Iran, however much he may dislike the Iranians and the Iranian regime. Uh, And it's, in in many ways, a bold step for him to now make this shift. From the Iranian perspective, the Saudis have been tremendously problematic, both because of oil policies, but also because of the Iranian perception that Iran International TV station, which is a completely Saudi-funded TV station, is a major force behind the protests in Iran that has fueled instability uh, in their view. And as a result, the Saudis and the Iranians both prove to each other they can really hurt each other. But the the, the value of that uh, pain that they can inflict on the other side is now essentially diminishing. And and as a result, they've opted to turn this uh, direction and and make peace and reconcile. And again, I want to also emphasize, even though the uh, Iraqis and the Omanis played a crucial role in laying the groundwork for this, I think the Chinese were absolutely instrumental to get this deal because of the fact that neither the Saudis nor the Iranians trust the other side. And Neither the Iraqis nor the Omanis could provide any type of a mechanism that would guarantee the behavior and the adherence to any agreement. Were the Chinese directly involved
1: in in Yemen? Were they directly involved in this Yemen process? I'm I'm not
3: talking about Yemen. I'm talking about the reconciliation between Ah, the Iranians and the Saudis. The the Chinese had economic leverage on both sides and Hmm. as a result could ensure or at, at least provide some sort of assurance that... Uh, they both will adhere to the agreement. And that agreement, as has been said on this show, seems to also have been instrumental in order to be able to get this uh, uh, extension of the truth that we're seeing in Yemen right now.
1: All right. Let me come to you now, Afra. As we've said, it's a very complicated process, isn't it, given the different actors, whether external or internal, involved. Looking at some of the demands the Houthis have made, uh, you know, the... the, um, for foreign forces to leave Yemen, for example, salaries to be paid and so on. Talk to us about the daily hardships Yemenis are experiencing right now and what an end to the conflict would mean in the immediate for them. Are there any signs already on the ground that things are getting better?
0: So under the eight brutal years of conflict, uh, there have been a wide range of human rights violations, violation of international human, humanitarian law, uh, the unlawful, uh, unlawful, indiscriminate and disproportionate uh, attacks on civilians and, and civilian infrastructures which really resulted in deepening the humanitarian crisis and the humanitarian situation on the ground, where, with no exaggeration, every household in Yemen is struggling economically uh, because of the, the consequences of the conflict and the abuse uh, abuses, the white abuses by the warring parties. But I think it's very important to say here that in Yemen today, there are so many warring parties, not only the the Saudi-led coalition and and the Houthi armed group. So the question is, when will we see peace talks between the other warring parties? And and at this stage, it's so important to call on the Houthi armed group and the Saudi uh, Saudi Arabia, and the UAE, by the way, um, uh, to ensure reparation for civilian harm in Yemen, that happened uh, during, you know, their their fighting. So just Reparation because. Reparation and accountability, I imagine. Exactly. Exactly. Just because they are shaking hands today doesn't mean that there are millions of civilians that paid mm-hmm. the price for their conflict. So I, I I truly believe this is the the top priority at this at this moment in the road forward. That millions mm-hmm. of civilians. And Yemen are calling for. Uh, for, And when we come to, you know, in the next stages, when the other warring parties make peace, we will continue to call on those uh, kind of uh, uh, calls of reparation and accountability and justice. Right. Afar, let me just ask you. Just last point, I I, I think it's important not to repeat the same mistake of what happened right after the Yemen's uprising in 2011, Mm -hmm. where there was no transitional justice whatsoever. So now transitioning Yemen from war to uh, so-called lasting peace without justice will Mm -hmm. just eventually trigger other conflicts. Yeah. I was
1: going to ask you, Afra, you know, what one phrase that we've heard recently uh, a lot is that Yemenis must work out a peace deal themselves. Are the conditions on the ground uh, right for that to happen? And how do you make that happen, given that even before 2011, there were tensions already, there was a war and so on? How do Yemenis work out a peace deal themselves?
0: But absolutely, like it should be a Yemeni decision by Yemenis themselves. But the question now, what, where is the Yemeni government in this uh, talks between the Houthis and, the, and Saudi Arabia? Uh, they seem to be not in presence. They were not part of the mediation in Oman. So uh, this is this is a failure to the concept mm. that uh, this should be a Yemeni-Yemeni decision. Uh, okay. And this is one of the indications why this is not going to be a lasting peace.
1: All right. Ibrahim, let me come to you about that. It, it does look like the Houthis are in a stronger Position today, even in these uh, negotiations and talks with the Saudis, it seems like the Saudis are coming around more to the Houthis' demands, vi- uh, you know, than vice versa.
2: Yeah, I think the Houthis will be emboldened with this uh, agree- with this uh, peace talks, um, and especially if it's successful, because I think what the Houthis have to give back to the uh, to Saudi Arabia is security. But instead, but for that, uh, the Houthis will uh, will be in charge because we are not discussing uh, power arrangements after if the war stops and after lifting the the blockade, uh, uh, whether the Houthis will be open to power sharing. Uh, there is an, an uh, it doesn't it doesn't look like it. It doesn't seem so. There are no indicators to suggest that power sharing arrangement is possible. And also, the Houthis fought all this long. And uh, uh, they they had this all uh, years of fighting, uh, not that they're just going to give it to the to their rivals to the Islah Party. They are mm. going if the war ends there with Saudi Arabia. They are going to uh, sustain and reinforce their monopoly of power uh, in in Sanaa and other parts of Yemen where they're in control of it. Now, the so Saudis, what, are you saying uh, that we're not
1: likely to see? Are you saying that we're not likely to see a centralized? Uh, power-sharing government in Sanaa between uh, the, the Houthis and, and the government.
2: Well, the, if if this uh, if these peace talks succeed in reaching an, an agreement between the Houthis and the Saudis, then peace in Yemen becomes uh, even more difficult. Uh, if this agreement excludes all other Yemeni parties, uh, especially who were in power in the transitional process before the war started, and the, those who were in uh, as part of the political process in the national dialogue uh, process that started right in 2011 uh, after the uh, Yemeni revolutions. If these parties, and it seems they are excluded, the Yemeni government, they are not; they don't have a seat on the table. The other political parties, they don't have a seat in these okay. negotiations. So if, if this agreement is reached, excluding them, it will be left between the Houthis, who are the most powerful, and the other political parties who are much less uh, powerful uh, than the Houthis, then there is no incentive left for the Houthis okay. to engage in serious national dialogue and power sharing in the post-agreement if this agreement is reached.
1: Okay, Traitor, let me come to you and ask you, where are the Americans in all this? They provided support to the Saudi-led coalition, providing arms in, in the beginning of, of the war, even if President Biden, it seems somewhat try to withdraw some of its backing to the Saudi war effort. Where does this leave Washington? And and can the U.S. still play a role in bringing the war to to Yemen uh, to an end?
3: Well, first of all, the U.S. seized what it called offensive weapons. It didn't see sending other weapons to the Saudis. So the president's promise was a a rather hollow one. He Mm -hmm. promised to end the war back in February 2021. It seems as if the Chinese may have played a bigger role in ending this war than the United States The United States' approach to this has been to support the Saudis rather than to support a peace process. Now, there are arguments on the American side that behind the scenes, the US side have been putting more pressure on Saudi Arabia than necessarily has been reported. That may be true, but I think we have come to a a realization in the region that when you want to end conflicts and peacemaking, uh, the natural address such an effort is no longer Washington, it may be elsewhere.
1: Interesting, uh, indeed, the, the, these changing dynamics in, in the region. Uh, Afrat, let me come to you and ask you you know, a, a final question. Um, as a Yemeni, of course, you've researched uh, the human rights situation in the country, the, the humanitarian situation as well. But as a Yemeni, what are your hopes today for your country? And what would a final settlement, what would you like a final settlement to look like to bring about peace to Yemen?
0: Look uh last year at this time I was on inside story talking about uh, uh horrific uh, uh three horrific attacks on civilians uh in Saada Hodeidah uh and Sanaa and and even in some uh, by by the Saudi led question and in Saada some of the uh, detainees and the attacked uh, uh, place uh, they were uh, gun uh, gunned down by the Houthi forces there. So this is just to tell you that we've come a long way. Uh, it, it, like Yemen has been tortured by uh, by this conflict, but. Uh, As a Yemeni, I really hope to end this conflict once and for all and and not to repeat it again. And that requires a lot of work and and addressing the hard topics, justice questions, justice concerns, uh, so we don't end up in another circle of uh, this vicious cycle of violence in Yemen.
1: Afra, thank you very much. Thank you for that. Afra, uh, Nasser, Ibrahim Frehat, Trita Parsi, thank you all very much for joining us on this edition of Inside Story. This episode was produced by Dermot Fleming, Umari Stambouli, Fungi Nuyen, and Gemma Harris. Studio sound was by Philip Morrison. The program was edited by Alexander Kohler, Lynn Nuyen, and Joe DeFries. Be sure to subscribe to the Inside Story podcast to catch every episode. Thank you for listening. Tune in on Tuesday for our next episode.
2: Next on
3: The Take, we head to Northern Ireland. 25 years after the country agreed to peace, how is the Good Friday Agreement holding up? Find us wherever you get your podcasts.